This is Friday, and we take a portion of Luther's small catechism, so I ask you to turn to page 327. This morning, our focus from Luther's small catechism is the last part, the last paragraph of the Lord's Supper. Who receives this sacrament worthily? Fasting and bodily preparation are certainly fine outward training, but that person is truly worthy and well-prepared who has faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. But anyone who does not believe these words or doubts them is unworthy and unprepared, for the words for you require all hearts to believe. From Luther's large catechism, some selected paragraphs. So far, we have treated the whole sacrament from the standpoint both of what it is in itself and what it brings and benefits. Briefly, as we said above about baptism and in many other places, the answer is, it is the one who believes what the words say and what they give. For they are not spoken or preached to stone and wood, but to those who hear them those to whom he says, take and eat. And because he offers and promises forgiveness of sins, it can be received in no other way than by faith. This faith he himself demands in the word when he says, given for you and shed for you. As if he says, this is why I give it and bid you eat and drink, that you may take it as your own and enjoy it. All those who let these words be addressed to them and believe that they are true have what the words declare. For those who do not believe have nothing, for they let this gracious blessing be offered to them in vain and refuse to enjoy it. The treasure is opened and placed at everyone's door, yes, upon the table, but it is also your responsibility to take it and confidently believe that it is just as the words tell you. Now, this is the sum total of a Christian's preparation to receive this sacrament worthily. Because this treasure is fully offered in the words, it can be grasped and appropriated only by the heart. Such a gift and eternal treasure cannot be seized with the hand Fasting, prayer, and the like may have their place as an external preparation and children's exercise so that one's body may behave properly and reverently toward the body and blood of Christ. But the body cannot grasp and appropriate what is given in and with the sacrament. This is done by faith of the heart that discerns and desires such a treasure. But suppose you say, what if I feel that I am unfit? Answer, this is my struggle as well, especially inherited from the old order when we tortured ourselves to become so perfectly pure that God might not find the least blemish in us. Because of this, we, came, we became so timid that everyone was thrown into consternation, saying, alas, you are not worthy. Then nature and reason begin to contrast our unworthiness with this great and precious blessing, 
and it appears like a dark lantern in contrast to the bright sun, or as manure in contrast to jewels. Then because they see this, such people will not go to the sacrament and wait until they are prepared, until one week passes into another, and one half year into yet another. If you choose to fix your eye on how good and pure you are, to wait until nothing torments you, you will never go. People with such misgivings must learn that it is the highest art to realize that this sacrament does not depend on our worthiness. For we are not baptized because we are worthy and holy, nor do we come to confession as if we were pure and without sin. On the contrary, we come as poor, miserable people precisely because we are unworthy. The only exception would be the person who desires no grace and absolution and has no intention of improving. But those who earnestly desire grace and comfort should compel themselves to go and allow no one to deter them, saying, I would really like to be worthy, but I come not on account of any worthiness of mine, but on account of your word, because you have commanded it, and I want to be your disciple, regardless of my unworthiness. This is difficult, however, for we always have this obstacle and hindrance to, to contend with that we concentrate more upon ourselves than upon the words that come from Christ's lips. Nature would like to act in such a way that it may rest and rely firmly upon itself. Otherwise, it refuses to take a step. Thus you have, on God's part, both the command and the promise of the Lord. Meanwhile, on your part, you ought to be induced by your own need, which hangs around your neck, and which is the very reason for this command, invitation, and promise. For he himself says in Matthew 9, verse 12, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. That is, those who labor and are burdened with sin, fear of death, and the attacks of the flesh and the devil. If you are burdened and feel your weakness, go joyfully to the sacrament and let yourself be refreshed, comforted, and strengthened. For if you wait until you are rid of your burden in order to come to the sacrament purely and worthily, you will have to stay away from it forever. In such a case, he pronounces the verdict, if you are pure and upright, you have no need of me, and I also have no need of you. Therefore, the only ones who are unworthy are those who do not feel their burdens nor admit to being sinners. And so, my dear friends in Christ, Christ alone makes us worthy to come. And we receive his righteousness, his worthiness, by grace alone, through faith alone. When we feel worthy in ourselves, entitled that we have earned or merit coming to the sacrament, we are most unworthy. When you feel your own unworthiness, let your trust in Christ and his promise draw you to this sacrament. When you feel your unworthiness most deeply, 
is when you most need to come.